Money FM 89.3, best of breakfast. Good morning. You're tuned in to Money FM 89.3. I'm Lin Lee, and this is Morning Shot. Last week ended off with a big bang for the trade world as the UK officially announced its entry into the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership, making it the first European country to join the dynamic trade bloc and the first non-founding member to be welcomed into the CPTPP fold since the Trade Pact was created in 2018. Now, this is a significant step that came after 21 months of negotiations with member countries, including Singapore and Japan. There are currently 11 signatories in the agreement. For more on what this means for businesses, we're joined by Kara Owen, British High Commissioner to Singapore. Welcome to the show, Kara. Good morning to you. Morning, Lin Lee. How are you? Good, thank you. Now, first off, let's talk about the negotiation process. 21 months, that's almost two years. What did that entail? And were there challenges when it came down to negotiating terms of UK's entry into the CPTPP? So I really take my hat off to all of the chief negotiators. And obviously, um, uh, a few days ago, there were enormous celebrations that we've got this over the line. So during the process, we tried to do two things. Number one is the CPTPP countries were really keen to make sure that the UK complied with the very high standards that are set Mm -hmm. in the trade agreement. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, there were discussions about market access, Mm -hmm. where countries will be wanting to make sure that their companies can get the most favorable possible access uh, to each of the economies. So it's a complicated process, but what marked it out all the way through was the real uh, kind of willingness and the will to get this done, uh, providing that we could get a deal that everybody was happy with. Now, you mentioned very high standards earlier. Now that the UK has the green light, will there be any reforms deemed necessary to be implemented to meet those standards set by the CPTPP? And if so, what kind of timeline are we looking at? So the first stage, which is all about compliance, is checking whether or not we already meet the high standards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did. Uh, and of course, the, the original members have already satisfied that. But I think one of the brilliant things about CPTPP is that it will not rest on its laurels. Mm -hmm. The reason we were so keen to join is partly about our attitude towards this part of the world, but also that we're kind of joining some philosophically like-minded trading countries where we want to make sure that the agreement remains relevant, it remains robust, and that it keeps up with the pace of change in our economies. Now, we do understand that this is part of the UK's efforts to pivot to Asia. How exactly will this move benefit businesses in the UK and vice versa? So when we exceed, we, our companies uh, and uh, companies within this region will experience 99% of tariff-free imports uh, within the block. That's a really huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we already uh, came from a good base uh, where we had free trade agreements with lots of countries, but this will improve our access and those countries' access to our market even further. We'll be the second biggest economy in the block, so us joining is really significant. We'll take the value of the block from nine trillion pounds to 11 uh, trillion pounds. And it is, as you said, a really fundamental part of uh, the UK's approach to this region, where you'll see us investing diplomatically in security and defence terms, uh, and also with CPTPP and our ongoing activity in the region on trade and investment, because Mm. we believe that is what drives jobs and growth 
uh, and increasing development in all of our countries. Singapore and the UK have been sharing close bilateral and trade ties for many years now, especially in areas such as digital trade and food. In fact, under the UK-Singapore Free Trade Agreement, companies from both sides already enjoy benefits such as reduced or eliminated tariffs. Now, with the latest move, what else can Singapore expect from the UK in terms of partnerships? Are there specific areas the UK is hoping to work on more closely with Singapore? So what's interesting about the flow between UK and Singapore is, uh, number one, that it is really significant. So in trade terms, it's about £20 billion, and that was up uh, 24% on the preceding uh, 12 months. That's huge growth. And the number of companies based here has gone from 4,500 to 5,700. We're a really significant business community, many of whom are looking at Singapore as a hub for the uh, region. There's also a large amount of um, investment that goes in both ways, around £12 billion. Uh, And of all our investment into the block, Singapore gets about 10% of that. And with the um, arrangements under CPTPP, which is looking at how it can remove every bit of friction for trading goods, trading services, uh, and also for investment, um, I only expect that uh, to continue to grow. Um, You talked about the digital economy agreement. I mean, that is still a high watermark of what countries are doing with each other in one of the most exciting bits of our economy. Again, looking at how digitization can remove friction to real trading goods, but also making sure that digital services uh, can be delivered in each other's countries. So um, if you take our free trade agreement, digital economy agreement, the green economy framework, our fintech bridge, and now joint membership of CPTPP, I can't think of a single country that has a better kind of trade architecture with us. Uh, so it makes me really confident going into the future. We're in conversation with Kara Owen, British Commissioner to Singapore. Kara, can you elaborate on how far the CPTPP inclusion for the UK would go in lowering tariffs on some exports to the UK, which are not already removed through the UK's bilateral agreements with member countries? Yeah, so I think that will differ member by member for CPTPP because we've got a number of countries where we already have a free trade agreement. Mm -hmm. But Malaysia, for example, we haven't had a bilateral free trade agreement with Malaysia up until this point. So this will be the first time in between the UK and Malaysia we can be looking forward to elimination of 99% of tariffs uh, on trade in goods. That will be a big deal for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, It gives us access even more access to Malaysia's £270 billion market, but it will mean um, an awful lot as well uh, to Malaysian companies. Uh, And that will be replicated across the block where each country has negotiated um, increased access to each other's markets. Some critics argue that this uh, trade block, the CPTPP, could result in lower labour and environmental standards. But in fact, the Trade Pact recognises that free trade and economic growth must be pursued in tandem with efforts to protect and enhance the well-being of workers and environmental sustainability. What are the challenges in those two areas? Yes, if I take environment as an example, um, you're right, uh, the agreement itself commits all members to uphold their international obligations and every single signatory of CPTPP already existing plus us. We have all committed to um, the Paris Agreement uh, that committed us to do everything we need to do to keep climate change to 1.5 degrees. But that's going to be incredibly difficult 
for all of us uh, to meet. We know it's a super ambitious goal, and it will mean that we're going to have to harness every single bit of existing and emerging technology that is going to help us decarbonize our economies, while also making sure that we protect uh, and enhance jobs and growth. So um, CPTPP is going to help because as we can have more uh, investment, as we can have more movement of services and goods that are relevant to decarbonisation, that is going to help every single member get access to that technology and to be able to integrate them into their supply chains to decarbonise their economies. So I think actually it's a really strongly uh, decarbonisation supporting agreement. Okay, do you think this latest move would pave the way for more countries, such as maybe the US, to follow suit? Because during the Obama administration, the US was actually involved in some of these talks before being withdrawn later on by President Trump. So one of the reasons we were attracted to joining the CPTPP is that it's avowedly an open agreement, uh, but it's avowedly an open agreement and a really high standard agreement. And I think we really like that approach. We, like the founding members, are sort of fierce defenders of free trade uh, as engines for global growth and development. Um, so uh, I think there's a number of other countries that have expressed their mm -hmm. desire uh, to start the um, accession process. Um, and I look forward to when we become members, um, us being uh, part of the group of companies that are talking to other countries about the high standards that we've got, about the ambitions for the agreement uh, and how others can become part of this really exciting block. Yeah, it is exciting indeed. Just to wrap things up, in your opinion, what would you say is the CPTPP's role in shaping the future of global trade, especially in a post-COVID time, keeping in mind geopolitical challenges such as tensions between China and the US? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, um, I think CPTPP is the most progressive and exciting uh, trade agreement that exists uh, in the world uh, today. And it really puts a stake in the sand for the members uh, uh, around how they want to keep trade relevant, how they want trade to continue to evolve and to support the populations in all of our countries. And it's not universally going in one direction. There are some movements that have become a bit more protectionist mm. uh, and some countries that have taken some movements like that. The countries in this block haven't. And I think that's a really important signal that we're sending. The other really important signal, I think, is connectivity. Mm. You know, this was something that was trans-Pacific. And with us, the first European country to be part of this block, we are actually making this a global move, um, uh, block. So the connectivity between the regions, I think, is really important in and of itself and for the signal that it sends about the future of international trade. All right. Thank you very much for your time this morning. We've been speaking with Kara Owen, British High Commissioner to Singapore. Thank you, Lindley. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.